everyone, this is Kathy Mason from Mason Works Marketing here on Conscious Business Zone with my friend, Brian Luke Seward, who I call Luke um, because I, I'm one of the privileged ones that get to call him Luke. Um, uh, Brian and I have, or Luke and I have been friends for 15, 20 years. 25, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh and i have just always 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 loved everything that he does um brian is an expert on stress management and this seemed like the perfect subject to talk about right now as people are in this pressure cooker of life of change um that they need as much support from someone who really knows how to handle stress and has been, um, he's a, a stress authority. He wrote the book and, and I guess you said you're on their 11th version of the book that's used in all the universities, just about in the in US on stress management. He's done films uh, that are nature therapy that are used by the US military called Earth Songs that also was turned into a PBS special that I still cry when I watch that. It's so beautiful. Um, and he's an avid photographer, videographer. He started with Jane Goodall. So maybe you'll even go back and tell us about that. So, sure. so anyway, so Luke, for people that don't know you, that this is their first experience with learning about you, could you talk a little bit about your journey of how you got into this field and how why you're so passionate about it? Sure, sure. First of all, it's great to be back on your show. Thanks, Kath. Um, so uh, I uh, began my career um, in the field of sports psychology. I got a, a, a PhD at the University of Maryland, and I got, initially got a job right out of uh, graduate school working with the U.S. Olympic biathlon team. And it was the 84 to 80, 88 Olympic period. And I think Calgary games were in 88. And so, um, so I love sports. I love sports psychology. And the big thing about sports uh, is um, anxiety performance and, and trying to reduce stress. And so, um, so that was great. I enjoyed that tremendously. Uh, but then when the Olympics ended, um, so my job, the money ran out. So I went back in academia which is where I wrote the, the textbook, Managing Stress, which is came out 30 some years ago. Now I'm working on the 11th wow. edition that comes out this fall. Um, yeah, and I'm happy to say that uh, um, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's done really, really well. Um, but another uh, part of my career, which I think your audience would like to, uh, would be interested to hear is that back in 1981, gosh, I think I was like about 24 years old or so maybe, um, I had the chance to speak at a conference. The American Holistic Medical Association conference was in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And the reason why I wanted to speak there was because the keynote speaker was this uh, wonderful luminary in the field of mind, body, spirit healing. Her name was Elizabeth Kuba-Ross. And I wanted to hear her speak. And uh, she wasn't there to speak about death and dying, which she was famous for. She spoke about this concept called holistic wellness. And, you know, at the time I saw her, I was working in uh, cardiology, helping to run a cardiac rehab program. And I was a little bit disenchanted because here I was trying to help save people's lives with heart disease. And of course, a lot of them were dying anyway. And I realized there's a lot more going on to health than just um, aerobics and broccoli. 
And so, um, so I heard when her Kubra speak, um, she talked about this concept called holistic wellness. And she had me at hello. She talked about the importance of the health of the human spirit. In fact, she said this, she said, the word health is a very old English word, which is derived from the root word, um, uh, how, which means to be whole or holy. And she said, you cannot speak about health and well-being without addressing the human spirit. She had me at hello. And so that was that point there that I realized that um, stress management wasn't just about trying to reduce symptoms of nervousness or anxiety. It was really a much bigger uh, aspect of, you know, mind, body, spirit. And so um, when I took this job in academia at the American University in D.C., um, I was asked to teach two classes, stress management. And I, that became kind of like my little experimental lab to try and teach students about things like purpose in life and relationships and values. That's the core of human spirituality. And um, and they loved it. And also, I got to tell you that back in back in the, in the late 80s, which is when I started teaching this class, um, stress management was basically symptomatic relief. Like if you had muscle tension, then you did progressive muscular relaxation. If you had a headache, then you might do um, yoga or something. I don't know. Um, but there really wasn't much going on other than one or two techniques. And I was introducing art therapy, music therapy, Tai Chi, um, Hatha Yoga. Back, back, I'll show you how far we've come, Gabby. If you said the word echinacea back in 19, uh, <laughs> the response was gesundheit. <laughs> <laughs> We've come a long way. So, yeah. um, so I I introduced um, this idea of of, of um, mind body spirit wellness into stress management, and it's been the core of my focus for the past I guess close to forty some years, and uh, I was delighted with that. So that's a little bit of background about me. What I do right now is I, I teach part time. I do a lot of professional development programs. I do a lot of personal growth workshops. Uh, like like the other people in the field, that there's so many people doing this. Um, I write books, and I also do a lot, couple of online classes. And um, and I just came out with I haven't even told you this yet. I just came out with a new white noise um, recording with uh, nature sounds. We can talk oh. about that in a little bit. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Perfect. Well, um, the thing that I wanted everyone to know is that that somehow you right away got the connection of the stress release and the healing of the stress release through nature. And um, the reason I, I think our friendship was so strong is I was um, working with a company that made water features and I got to do a term paper pretty much on nature therapy. And then when I saw what you were doing, it was like, oh, my gosh, here's somebody really out in the field doing the work, creating products and services that are consumable um, for the people that are bedridden. I mean, the military, um, the, the PTSD patients and and the people that can't maybe go to the forest or or um, would be afraid to go to the forest but then could hear birds singing and the wind going through trees and waterfalls. I mean, there's that one um, thing in earth songs, it's the waterfall with the rainbow. That's the one that always <laughs> gets me. And then the music, the, the other part of it is that the ego gets out of the way, the fear response gets out of the way with art and music. It, unless art is too glaring and music is too loud. Yeah. Right. 
Well, you know, when I first heard about this was um, a study was done in like the mid to uh, late 80s that showed that people who had a view, if they were a hospital patient and they were in a hospital and they had a view of nature, they, they got out quicker than those who had a view of a brick wall. And they began to think, wow, there really is something healing about nature. And of course, I've known that for years uh, or decades, I should say. Um, and so, you know, when I taught stress management at the uh, University of Maryland, where I, I taught too, actually, um, I would do a nature slideshow with music and the students would love it. They would bring their, their roommates, their girlfriends, their boyfriends, their parents. And I thought, I got, I got something going on here. And then it came to be where I um, got a video camera and I started filming things as well as, as taking photographs. And, uh, and uh, Earth Songs was a tremendous hit, but I made it mostly for people in hospitals who couldn't get outside. Right. And, you know, at the time, I'm sure it's probably things have probably changed now because that was about 20 years ago, but um, it used to be that hospitals, you know, didn't want their cancer patients watching the, the programming that's so, you know, fear-based and violent violence-based. They wanted them to have relaxing content for their chemotherapy. So it would really, you know, do the best it could do. And so they, they began to develop um, in-house cable programming. And so Earth Songs was one of the, the, um, the, the go-to programs for cancer patients. And that's how it got into a couple of film festivals and then got on PBS because somebody saw that and said, hey, this, is, this deserves a, a wider audience than just uh, than what you've got here. You're right. That's great. Well, um, so, so the, you're, you're at the cutting edge of all this. You're meeting people like Deepak Chopra and and other luminaries um and and you're seeing that they're 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 talking about it but you created experiences that that's what that um at least i wanted the audience to know about is that the work that you do is um an experience so that you embody it right yeah, definitely, definitely. In fact, um, I think you were there when we did the um, the screening uh, at, in Boulder. We had like about I don't know two, three hundred people there, and um, and it was it was magic. It was magic. I, it wasn't just that you were watching this; you were experiencing the the waterfalls, the the bird sounds, the animals. Uh, one person said to me. Um, I think you you must really love Hawaii because it seemed like half your movie was in Hawaii. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I definitely love Hawaii. But I love all of outdoors. I mean, we live here in Colorado. I love I love the mountains. I love the wildlife. I just got back. Um, I did, went to two, um, two trips to Africa last year where I did some safaris. And oh, my God, to see. Uh, it's one thing to, to watch things on television, you know, like as a kid with Walt Disney but um, or, or, uh, or Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. But, <laughs> <laughs> shows how old I am, but to be there with these elephants and the, the lions and the, uh, the leopards and oh my God, it was did unbelievable. You, did you go to Kruger? I did. I went to Kruger um, and I also went to a place called Sabi Sabi. And I, I gotta tell you something, you know, the, I think my angels are working overtime because my wife and I went there and we, um, you know, we were supposed to go to this place. Uh, they have like three different, um, uh, lodges at Sabi Sabi. And I went there because I heard they had really good photography opportunities for leopards, which I, I love leopards. Well, we got upgraded from one camp to another. And my wife and I were kind of like sulking because we thought that we got like a, a downgrade, not an upgrade. And once we saw how nice it was, I'm like, okay, we, we, we change our opinions. But um, I said to the gal, um, who else stays here? And she goes, well, she goes, in your cabin, we've had British royalty. Nelson Mandela stayed here. <laughs> this whole list, I thought to myself, wow, my angels are working overtime on me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, um, when I was, my daughter was in the Peace Corps for three years in Namibia. So I went over for three weeks and went to Namibia, Botswana, and South Africa and stayed a week in Kruger and part of the time in Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and and I, uh, the first thing that I really noticed was the people, the when they show you those pictures of the kids with these bright smiles and their shiny faces, they're full of love. They know they're loved. It takes a village kind of thing to raise those kids. Mm-hmm. And um, those pictures that you see, the, the fundraisers for minister, um, ministries and stuff, um, they don't capture it as in person. In person, it's just amazing. And then everything seemed like it was, um, it was because they're so grounded to the earth. It's a, such a different experience than here. It, it is just, everyone should go to Africa. Right, right. You know, and to add something to this, thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, I, I definitely, when I travel, I, I kind of like put some feelers out about what they people sense is going on in the world. And I can tell you right now that this, we're, we think that in the United States that we kind of have a monopoly on spiritual awakening. But let me tell you, it's happening all over the world. People in South Africa, people in Botswana, people in Zimbabwe, where I was, all three of those places, they're all well aware that we're going through a shift in consciousness. Right. And, and, and so it's not just here in the States. I think sometimes it's good to be reminded of that, uh, that we are all connected to this, this wonderful divine um, awakening going on right now. And that's one reason why I wanted to uh, be part of this show was to, to uh, remind people the importance of the spiritual tools to practice on a daily basis to enhance this critical mass of consciousness in this global awakening. Perfect. Perfect. So let's talk some more about that because um, you've, you have uh, your own philosophy and your, well, first of all, you have a toolkit, which you share, but you also have um, a philosophy on how this all works. Do you want to share a little bit about your philosophy or is that? Yeah, no, I like okay? to, uh, I, I don't know if it's mine, actually. It's it's probably a collective philosophy that I, uh, I, I tend to promote. Um, spirituality is not the same thing as religion. I think everyone listening to this is well aware of that, but it's good, important to say the, say the obvious. Um, but in terms of, of spirituality, which is so difficult to, to, um, uh, articulate and to define because it's kind of like is beyond words. Uh, but um, three things come to mind. And those three things are being tested on a daily basis in the news right now. You hear them all the time. Relationships, values, and a meaningful purpose in life. And, you know, go back a step in the conversation. Um, you know, we've had this huge problem with COVID where um, the whole world has been traumatized. And one thing I've heard, and I'm sure you probably have heard too, is that um, the word trauma comes up time and time again right now, almost on a daily basis. And here we are in May, Mental Health Month, and the word trauma is so much uh, a magnet for how we're trying to, to cope with all this stuff. And so what we now know is there's different types of trauma. There's acute trauma, like, you know, a real serious event that knocks the, the wind out of you, like, you know, whether it's a car accident or rape or, you know, gun violence. 
there is chronic stress, I'm sorry, chronic trauma where you have repeated episodes time and time again, like it's like you're being raised by abusive alcoholic parents. Um, there's um, community trauma, which is what the experts say we've all been through with COVID. And the one thing I wanted to, to um, talk about, Kathy, is, is that um, with trauma, there has to be a acknowledgement of the loss. Uh, we need to grieve healthy. And a lot of us are not doing that right now. And and what typically when you hear people doing what I call is BMW, which stands for bitch mono wine, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're hearing grieving going on and grieving. If it's not, if it's not um, done well, if it's not done in a healthy manner, which means to acknowledge it and to seek some help, get some counseling, uh, to, to, uh, to grieve our losses, which are many these days. Um, then what we end up getting is victim consciousness, poor, poor, pitiful me. And we hear a lot of that going on right now, to be honest with you, it was going on before the pandemic, but we have a lot of it right now. We have a huge mental health care crisis going on right now in the country. I think we just need to state the obvious about that. But I, I want to encourage people to, um, to take some time to grieve properly and to, uh, to sometimes we talk about having a grieving ceremony where you actually acknowledge what you lost. Uh, you know, whether it was a, a career, whether it was a community, whether it was uh, your favorite restaurant, um, we can go from the sublime to the ridiculous on this. But but the bottom line is that we have all gone through some tremendous uh, uh, trauma right now. And in order for us to accentuate ourselves, uh, some people say ascend on the spiritual path, we need to um, to do our work. And part of the work is to do some healthy grieving. Right. So, so um, the idea of grieving, uh, I'm, I'm actually in a process of clearing out a bunch of my stuff and I'm, I'm finding that I was, I was stalling getting rid of some of this stuff because I was afraid of the memories that were attached to it. Mm -hmm. And um, yesterday I just drove a car full of stuff to the store and just, dumped it all you know but but i mean there were things 20 years um uh, that that somehow i thought that just touching them or experience them again would bring me back to the pain that of loss and um and it, it was cool i i didn't have any problem <laughs> well no i think a lot of people they don't realize that going through is the only way to process Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But that reminds me when I first moved to Colorado, I moved to my new house. A friend of mine came with me and he was helping me package things up and, you know, put them in boxes. And, and every time I picked something up, I thought, oh, it was a memory. And to him, he had no, no emotional ties to anything. So he just he got through, done with his real quickly here. Uh, got done real quickly here. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, wow, he's got no emotional attachment. And so that's part of the work is to, to let go of our emotional attachments, which is part of the process. But, but you know, this whole idea that <laughs> the fan base is calling, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, something new is coming into the world. I think we all know that this, this, some people call it the new earth, the new world, and, but it can't come in until we made room for it. And we can't, make room for it until we let go of the old, which is all this part of this, what I call is the, um, the, uh, so the seasons of a soul where we need to empty first before we can uh, have some new growth coming into it. And we're in time right now of springtime, which is new growth, which is you know wonderful, but to really honor the symbolicness of this newness, we need to make room for it. 
Right. That makes total sense. So, so as far as um, when you're teaching classes, you teach a lot of nurses. Um, you do, you work with a lot of caretakers. Could you talk about that philosophy too, about um, how, how they're doing and how, how, what you're seeing happening? Yeah, well, I'll tell you that I, I really want to salute the nursing profession because they've been on the front lines of healthcare <laughs> during this incredible, incredible crisis, and, and they've been drained. Um, they're overwhelmed with, um, with you know, just burnout and you name it, compassion fatigue, all kinds of, of aspects of, of being drained. You know, the word I heard a lot during the COVID was people just feeling like they're overwhelmed with responsibilities, with with emotional loss, with all kinds of things, and so. Um, I do a lot of work with nurses. Um, I, I really admire all of the nurses in the working profession there who, uh, like I said, stand the front lines to, to ensure that we have proper health care. Um, but there is a level of burnout, as you can imagine, as with any, any profession. And so um, so I do a lot of what is known as self-care uh, education. And self-care is where we take time for ourselves to do practice healthy boundaries, uh, to do um, more than just broccoli and aerobics, or now I say kale and CrossFit. Um, but the idea is that um, we, we need to actually honor ourselves and and have some self-compassion. I think a lot of people are really angry right now uh, with the, the loss of various things. I mean, take a look at the news. There's shootings every day, practically. And, and that's a sign of unresolved anger issues. And so part of this idea of self-care is... Uh, I mean, it's not just bubble baths and, uh, and, and lavender scent aromatherapy. It's actually, you know, doing the work of healthy boundaries, taking some time for, for, um, for meditation, taking some time for being out in nature, taking some time for some good quality meals, which I think all of people in the past um, <laughs> uh, two years have, have actually um, not done too well with nutritional aspects, if you can, if you ask me. So we need to kind of like do a course correction. And so a large what part of what I do when I do workshops and personal growth retreats and things is to kind of just um, give some ideas on how we can do some course corrections to get back on track, come back to balance. You know, stress management basically is coming back to balance or homeostasis. And so uh, that's a large part of what I teach. And I give a lot of, of um, uh, it's an alchemy of some wisdom, what I call fireside chats, some uh, soul searching exercises, some journaling and some uh, techniques or some uh, some skills like relaxations, breathing, uh, meditation, things like that. And it's all come together to try and help bring people back into a sense of balance where they can then um, chart their course day by day. Uh, without getting knocked over by the winds of change. And the winds of change are at hurricane yeah. uh, force right now. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's that's the key to all of this is how flexible how how flexible are you to go with the winds of change because there there's I like change, um, but not everybody does. I, I mean to me this is um, you, you could see game on as soon as all of the lockdown started. It was like, this is what we came here for. This is, um, you know, time, time to uh, go inward and clean up. So um, I want to ask about self-love because I think that's another issue of this work that you do. Because to, in order to have stress management, to even be aware that you need stress management, you have to start to love yourself mm -hmm. again. Uh, and and um, it is hard for women to put 
put themselves first. We've been um, as caretakers, as parents, as you know, mothers. Um, I at least I can just speak from my experience. Um, do you have any suggestions on self love? Anything? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great topic. Um, well, I think first of all, we need to acknowledge um, the fact that that we're worthy of love. You know, I'm a real big fan of of this guy who's long gone now, but uh, Leo Basquilia talked about self love as the fact that we need to see ourselves as deserving of of love. And a lot of times, um, people in the healthcare profession think, "Oh, I'm, I'm not worthy." You know, put other people first, and and so um, you know, fall back on a great quote. Um, uh, love your neighbors as yourself, but you got to love yourself too. And so there has to be that balance there. And so one thing, one uh, tip, one suggestion, one toolbox uh, tool we talk about is to do one thing for yourself each day. Now, self-care, self-love is not egotistical. It's not arrogant. It's not conceited. It's essential because there's a wonderful expression that says you can't pour from an empty cup. And people who are on the front lines of healthcare, nurses, doctors, um, all kinds of people, they're they're giving, they're giving, they're giving. Mothers too, by the way, uh, for the most part. Although I think we should not be um, uh, uh, gender specific here. We'll say parents. Um, <laughs> you're always giving, but if you don't give to yourself, at some point you have nothing to give whatsoever. And that's the idea. You can't pour from an empty cup. Um, you know, I, I love that metaphor. You can't pour from, from an empty cup, but it's not enough just to fill the cup. We've actually got to repair the cracks. And we have a lot of people with cracked cups right now because that's what trauma does. It, it tends to cause disruption in our lives. And I want to um, highlight this, this Japanese uh, technique. I I'm going to probably mispronounce it. I think it's called Kintsugi, where they actually fill in the cracks of pottery with gold. Or I've seen it done with turquoise, too. And, and it makes a pot look beautiful. I mean, it was great beforehand, but now that it's got this beautiful repair, this healing of the crack with gold or silver or turquoise, um, it's now stunning. You can't take your eyes off it. And so, so before we fill the cup, we gotta, we gotta repair the cracks. And that's what self-love is, is taking time to, to honor yourself, see yourself worthy as, of, of self-love and, and to do something for yourself and to recognize that that's not arrogant, it's not conceited, it's not self-centered, it's essential. Because until we have that core within us that is um, uh, filled up with metaphorical water, if you will, the, the spirit, then we can't do a good job for other people. Now, now nurses in the audience who hear this are going to say, yeah, I know about that. But there's a, a term called compassion fatigue, where you're so tired that you don't have anything left to give. And here you are in a healthy, helping profession where you've got nothing to give. And that's where we get the term nurse ratchet <laughs> because you know, there's like nothing, nothing there to give. Uh, I think every nurse in the audience who, who might hear this would realize, yeah, I've been there. And I think everyone's been there to some extent. And so this is time to take some time to um, nurture the self. Uh, and it doesn't have to be like, you know, all day long, even like five minutes to unplug from your cell phone and just sit quietly and focus on your breathing. That is self-care. And, and that's, I think, an essential part of self-care, taking time to just uh, ease your mind, clear your mind, and unplug from the world. Um, and if we haven't talked about digital toxicity, we should. <laughs> okay. Well, you you told me about turning off my modem at night a long time ago, where um, you had done a study about the radiation from EMFs 
and how it affects sleep. Could you talk a little bit about sleep too? Because um, we, that's part of the the re- stress reduction formula in my in my view. It definitely is. And it's definitely part of self-care too. I mean, we've got to have adequate sleep. Um, yeah. So, um, so I came across this great documentary and, you know, every documentary since I made one, I can tell you every documentary has a point of view, but this documentary, I think it was called resonance, uh, beings of frequency talks about the whole idea of dirty energy and, and what, what the vibrations are of, of 5g and stuff. One thing they came across was a number of studies that show that um, the Wi-Fi router suppresses your ability to make melatonin. So the melatonin is made in the pineal gland, center of your head here. If you're not making melatonin, you're not going to get a good night's sleep. It's that simple. You've got to have melatonin. And you got to have this begin to make itself uh, about at least two hours before you go to bed. You just can't you know, all of a sudden turn off the lights and say, okay, I'm ready for, for sleep now. It doesn't work like that. Um, you know, we have these things called circadian rhythms based on the uh, the 24 hour cycle of the spin of the earth around uh, its axis and such. And so light plays a crucial role in um, our health and well-being. And we now know through circadian rhythm studies that people who deny themselves uh, proper exposure to sunlight not only have vitamin D deficiency for the most part, they also have a whacked out body clock. And so sleep is so essential. Three things I've noticed suppress the immune system. So here we go. Take some notes here. Um, Stress, poor sleep, and poor nutrition. Kathy, that sounds like everybody I know. Yeah. And it turns out that um, in in terms of getting a good night's sleep, uh, the Wi-Fi router, what they say is, and I tell this to everybody I talk to, turn off your Wi-Fi router, put it on a power strip, turn it off before you go to bed at night. You don't need it, especially when you're sleeping. Uh, and, and, and the idea is that you want to have, make as much melatonin as you can possibly make to get a good night's sleep, because without that, you're going to basically have problems. And we now know that people who don't sleep tend to have poor memory, poor reaction time, poor mental, uh, uh cognitive functioning. Um, they talk about brain fog. Uh, they're just over, overly fatigued. And we now know that the, the nighttime is when the glial cells in the brain, basically act like vacuum cleaners and clean out all the amyloid tissues that it's like waste products that your brain makes. And we now know that people who are, um, who have Alzheimer's have lots of amyloid tissue that is still in the brain. Uh-huh. Uh, there seems to be a connection between this, between poor sleep and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and heading toward Alzheimer's. And so um, I would say do whatever you can to get a good night's sleep. In this case here, turn off your Wi-Fi router before you go to bed at night. You don't need it on. So why do you have it on? Yeah. Well, I remember you saying it. I did a study and it's even coming out of your television set, even while it's not on. It's like, oh, my God. But I did. I did take your um, recommendation and I do turn off my router and I do think it makes a big difference. I really thank you for that advice. So so during these changes right now, um, you're you're saying grieving. We can grieve for the change and to get it over with because whatever we resist persists. So if you just stuff it, it's going to come out. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so is there other stuff? Um, you talked about nutrition. Do you want to talk a little bit about nutrition? 
Today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny. Um, this is not my area of expertise. However, I taught nutrition for 12 years at the University of Colorado. Um, some <laughs> sabbatical and never came back. So I kind of got stuck with this class. But I learned a lot. Oh my God, I learned a lot. And you know, it's funny you were talking about Brigitte Myers earlier. She came to my class as a guest lecturer. I had a lot of guest lecturers come to class, and and I learned a lot, a lot of stuff that is not in a textbook, and I, I don't know why, but um, but okay, here goes. First of all, the most important meal to eat every day is your breakfast. They say eat like a king of breakfast, uh, eat like a, a night at lunch, and eat like a, a surf in the evening. Um, your biggest meal should be breakfast. And that's because you've gone like, what, 8, uh, 10, 12 hours without eating anything. So you need to have the nutrients there. Um, I'm also a really fan of trying to have natural foods, uh, organic foods. Um, I know they're more expensive, but it's an investment in your health. And you know, every day I hear the news about... Um, uh, private equity firms taking over companies and trying to cut costs and then they go bankrupt and stuff. But a lot of these food companies don't care about your health whatsoever. They're, they're in it for the profits. I was so naive when I first started teaching nutrition. I thought nutrition was first and foremost a health issue. It's not. First and foremost, nutrition is a financial issue followed by a political issue because of all the lobbyists. And so, um, so you got to take care of yourself because no one's going to do for you. The whole idea about caveat emptor, be careful, be careful what you buy. So um, I would say it's really important to eat as best as you can. Um, uh, fruits and vegetables, organic um, produce, because that is now shown to be what's most beneficial for your health and well-being. Um, you know, we now know that um, a lot of, of uh, meats are chock full of of antibiotics and not to mention herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, and uh, fertilizers that are all petroleum based. Um, you don't want that stuff in your body. And so um, God, we could talk for hours about nutrition. I don't know where to go on this. Um, okay. I'll tell you one thing I noticed. I, I talk about the stress dominoes with nutrition. So, so check this out. So we have, I, I call them four stress dominoes. First domino is that when you're stressed, you deplete nutrients. You deplete primarily uh, vitamins uh, B and C, the water-soluble vitamins, and also you, you deplete a lot of, of, uh, of uh, minerals. And, and um, the, the big one is um, uh, magnesium. <laughs> I had a guest here come to class, and he said this. I never forgot it. He said, tonight, when you go to bed, you get down your knees and you thank magnesium. You say <laughs> gratitude to magnesium. And I'm thinking to myself, where's he going with this? And he said, most uh, minerals are involved with 10 to 15 metabolic activities in your body. Magnesium is involved with 300. He goes, it's working overtime on your behalf. So you get down your knees and you thank magnesium. <laughs> Um, but we now know that with the first domino, you deplete those things. The second domino is we don't replenish them because people eat junk food, fast food, uh, comfort foods, processed foods. And those things do not have, for the most part, vitamins, minerals. They've got four things, fat, salt, um, sugar, and caffeine in them. And, and so those are not going to help replace what we're deficient in. The third domino is that there's um, stuff in our foods that tend to trigger the stress response. Things like uh, herbicides, fungicides, pesticides, um, all kinds of things. Plus, um, bleached sugar, bleached flour, and caffeine, the, the white, white powders. The same guy, when he came to my class, he said to my students, they're all addicted to white powder. You know, you see <laughs> a boulder and everyone like cringes. And, <laughs> and so, so he says, he goes, refined sugar, refined flour, 
caffeine. And you knew that he did, he could have mentioned a few more, but he stopped there. But those things trigger the epinephrine, norepinephrine response in the, the nervous system to basically um, be more stressed. So if you're stressed and you eat foods that have processed sugar, flour, and caffeine, it's like throwing gasoline in the fire. You're going to be more stressed. And that's going to really have an impact on sleep too. And the last thing is there is stuff in our foods that we have no idea what's going on with it that I'm sure is causing problems um, in health and well-being. So that's why I say eat organic whenever you can. But here's something you should know about the word organic. Back, this is like 20 years ago when I was teaching, the word organic meant that the soil that you planted things in had to be clean for at least three years with no herbicides, fungicides, pesticides, or fertilizers that were petroleum-based. Then after three years, then you can grow your crops, but those crops can't have that stuff either. When you go to the grocery store and you see in the label, it says 80% organic. I don't think so. Okay. That's like saying that, you know, you're, you're, you're a little bit pregnant. <laughs> either you're, <laughs> or you're not. <laughs> so, um, so that's the, uh, the thing about that. Now we should also mention uh, this idea about spiritual nutrition. And I'm a real big fan of this too. Um, I kind of borrow this from Gabriel cousins, but I think he's not the only one talking about this. And that is that we want to have, um, food in our, our diet that represents all colors of the rainbow because it corresponds to the chakras in our, our body here. So uh, every chakra has a color associated with it, you know, from red, the colors of the rainbow, red up to, um, to purple. And so we need to have a diet that is colorful as well. And what they typically say is that the color of the, of the food uh, corresponds to the chakra, which is also the same color. And, you know, for, okay. So typically we talk about red foods like tomatoes um, are red, uh, cranberries are red, you know, women with urinary tract infections, what are you told it suggested to have cranberry juice, um, guys with uh, prostate problems. They say, uh, I think it's lycopene and the potato uh, and tomatoes. Um, so one guy said to me, he goes, what about your eyes? And then before I can even answer Kathy, someone said, well, my doctor told me with my, my, uh, diabetes, I should be eating blueberries. <laughs> Bingo. That's the right answer. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> blueberries and bilberry, bilberries. Bilberries. They, yeah. they found that out in World War II with, uh, the English pilots flying at night. Their oh. night vision changed when they ate bilberries and blueberries. Who Did you know that? That's how they found it out. I love yeah, it. Food is medicine. Food is medicine. And, and it's another empowerment. Um, part of why I do this, this show is I want um, servant leaders to have all the tools that they can um, to invigorate and support their own selves while they're helping everybody else. Cause a servant leader it works and helps their employees as well as their customers, but who's helping them? So this is great resource information, Luke, um, for anybody, not just nurses that are burning out, but anybody that really wants to live a vital, happy life. And, and, uh, and the other thing is, is the awareness that you can make positive choices really changes the whole game. So if you're if you're thinking that, oh no, I can't do this or that, and then somebody just suggests something, a different point of view, a different, um, a, a positive path rather than the other. I, I don't 
I, I don't think the media has your positive path <laughs> in mind. They're, they're <laughs> just, that's why it's like a vice, a pressure cooker of stress uh -huh. and, and, um, and sadness in a lot of ways, fear and sadness. But, but when you really listen to Luke and, and uh, can learn different stress management um, uh, methods of living, your life becomes an adventure. It's that's what we were supposed to do, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a there is a definitely addiction to um, to uh, uh, the media. Um, I think that you know because it's, it's a, the expression is if it bleeds, it leads. Uh, people are um, oftentimes uh, caught up in in the um, the rubbernecking of of the news. And I would say, you know, get five minutes, know the headlines, and then turn it off. Just go out and enjoy the day, enjoy the sunshine, the birds. We got springtime here, with birds are going crazy. Uh, yeah. We for the hummingbirds to come. Get out in nature. Um, it's so very very important. And I think that um, it's easy to give your power away. One of the things I love teaching about stress management is to take your power back. Don't yeah. give it away to to the politicians, to the movie stars, to the media. Take it back and and do something creative with it. And and I gotta tell you one of the things because um, we could talk so much about this, but um, but uh, I I follow this one podcast called Next Level Soul, uh -huh. and this guy who does this podcast. Um, has been interviewed a lot of people who've had near-death experiences. I know you know a lot about this too. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm really into it. <laughs> and, and, um, and it turns out that um, they all tend to say the same thing: that that you know, given the chance to uh, to come back, they say, "Yeah, yeah, I got some unfinished business I got to do here." And this one gal who I was very taken with, she said that, "Well, we all come here to learn to deal with trauma." She said. Um, it's it's part of our our experience that we're going to have a traumatic experience and how well we can get through it. And so, one of the things that I talk about when I talk about stress management is not just coping skills, but what I call muscles of a soul. Things like the capacity to uh, to express love and compassion, to express a sense of humor, to express express forgiveness or tolerance or uh, patience. These are all things that help us get through the tough times and definitely get through traumatic events. There's no doubt about that. And so um, when I hear people who've come back from a near-death experience and talk about what they what they learned on the other side, if you will, and why they're back here, um, I, I take delight in knowing that this is a school. So planet Earth is a school. We are here to learn and really learn the lessons of love. And boy, is that challenging. I mean, the joke in the in the cosmos is that, yeah, if you want a real, real uh, challenge, go to planet Earth. That's that's the, the graduate school of all the, the planets on the, in the cosmos here. And so um, so I love the idea that that um, we have the capacity to rise above whatever is is handed out to us and what's i think one reason of this times that we're in right now is so challenging is that these things need to come to the surface so they can be acknowledged and then processed and then dealt with so we can move on we can move up we can enter this this new vibratory uh, uh frequency of 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 a oneness of unity consciousness into this new earth this new uh experience we're going to have which Every age talks about, but I got to tell you that they're saying, this, this is the time. This is the time. <laughs> <I know. laughs> well, my heart's really wide open. I love, you know, I love all of this. And I really see that this is an opportunity to really, really make a difference by showing, by being that for yourself and other, I mean, 
you affect so many other people when you're um, modeling that kind of behavior that is a can-do, looking for the best case scenario, and 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 just um, being in kind, loving motion, because that's what's missing. Um, the the lockdown and the fear um, uh, virus actually reduces people's interactions. It actually condenses, and that's why I keep calling it a pressure cooker. It feels like it's ex uh, not expansive, it's the, a reduction. And so what we're talking about is taking back your power and, and doing these things that um, Luke can teach you. You don't have to be a nurse to take his classes, right? Anybody? They're for anybody. Right. So, so um, what, what I want people to know is that there is, there are tried and true methods that can get you from where you are right now. If you're in a stressed um, and don't feel supported environment to baby step your way to that new aspect of you, that's just waiting to be unveiled, just like a flower is a bud and it opens up. You can do that too. You could be the bud right now, just close down. And then with all of these um, different um, uh, techniques and exercises and experiences, you could see your whole life change. And this is the time. This is the time, right? Definitely the time. Yeah. And I want to put a good word in for, um, for support groups. Uh, you know, it's the, the biggest thing I saw before the pandemic was uh, in terms of stresses was um, alienation and isolation. People felt as if they were lonely because of, of whatever number of reasons. And the technology, as great as it is, you know, this whole idea about social media, people actually were cut off from the real connections with their friends and family and colleagues and neighbors and things. And, and then the then the pandemic happened and it just went you know, uh, magnified times 10 to the 23rd. Well, we're still seeing that. And uh, in fact, I just saw a headline today that the uh, Surgeon General said that loneliness loneliness is as bad for your health as smoking. Wow. Yeah, who knew? And so um, I want to put a real big plug in for uh, support groups. You know, before um, the pandemic, most people went to a support group meeting and there is a support group for every stressor. And we talk about AA and Al-Anon, but those are the granddaddies. But there's a support group for people with um, whose parents have Alzheimer's, for people whose kids have autism, for people who've got Lyme disease. I mean, every stressor you have, there's a support group. And the beauty of this now is that they've all gone online. So you have options you never had before. But I want people who are in the audience to hear this, to know that A, you're never alone. We're always connected. But if you feel as if you're going through a situation alone and by yourself, know that you're not. And if you can find, just Google support group in your area for uh, whatever the issue might happen to be. And, and then uh, if you can go in person, it's always better to go in person, I think. But if you can't, try it online. But know that, um, that we are not alone and we can do this together. No one's ever asked to do any task by themselves. We're, we're all in this together. And there is strength and power and numbers and so support group uh is support groups is a great coping technique for stress it's been that way for a long long time but it's now got we got research to back it up oh that's great that's great and and again um we're coming into a time where we want 
to recreate and upgrade all of the systems and everything that um, has been created for hundreds, maybe thousand years, um, where we're looking at government and science and healthcare and and we're looking at everything. And, and that's going to take people being able to creatively problem solve. And if you're under stress, you can't. There's yeah. just no way that you can come up with an Einstein available idea out of out of um, that that constant um, thing. I, I wanted to ask Luke one other thing about self-talk because I think that it's sort of like self-love, but it, it but it's different because it's somehow I noticed when I first closed down, I had to close down my office and move back home. And um, during, I guess, I, I, three years ago now, <laughs> gosh. Um, and, uh, and I noticed at first I'm sitting here and I'm, I've noticed myself talking to myself like, oh, you did that. Why'd you do that? And then I went, did I just say that to myself? Oh my goodness. I'm not very nice to myself. And then I was able to do something about it, but I don't think people realize their self-talk they're judging themselves like a parent that isn't even there or a parent we never might have said, but we're, we're so hard on ourselves. Could you talk a little bit about how you help people or how stress management works with self-talk? Yeah, uh, great, great topic. And again, this could be one that could take up a whole hour too. Um, so self-talk um, is described a lot of different ways. What I like to focus on right now is is um, it's like a radio station. You know, a radio station or a radio has lots of stations you can tune into. And a lot of people tune into uh, the station of the ego, W-E-G-O. And although the ego is there as a means to protect us, uh, it's only supposed to be a bodyguard. It's not supposed to be the CEO, not supposed to run the show. And as a consequence, if we're listening to fear-based programming from the ego, then um, we're, we're kind of like caught into a, um, a situation of, of um, survival mode is what it comes down to. And so we have the ability to change channels in our own, the radio of our own head, if you will, to use that metaphor and to pick a, a, a better programming station, if you will. Um, one thing I love about meditation is the expression that says meditation is the, the purpose of meditation is to domesticate the ego. And the idea is if you don't, you're going to poop all over the place. So <laughs> by domesticating the ego, we actually turn down the volume of that, that self-talk that's negative, that's fear-based, um, that beats us up, if you will, and, and change the channel to a more affirming, more self-loving, what I'm going to call the spirit, uh, the, the, the voice of the soul that says, um, this is your true light. This is your true focus. This is your, your true passion right now. And so um, that's one reason why I really promote meditation to sit quietly and just still the mind and still the voice of the ego. And that takes practice. That is a skill. I mean, there are people who've been doing this for like 20, 30, 40 years who are still trying to get that down because it is so challenging to still the voice of the ego. But it can be done. And the mere fact that you could acknowledge what you say, Kathy, that you could see yourself or hear yourself say that shows me that you're a good meditator because yeah. the minute you can actually observe yourself and your thoughts, you realize you're not your thoughts. <laughs> you, 
you're at all. <laughs> That's the scary part. Well, Zach, I tagged Zach and Zach's here and he said he's used cognitive psychology to redirect self-talk and successfully redirect. It works. Hey, Zach. Good to, hey, good to Zach. hear you. Yeah, so we, yeah, cool. So, so when, when we're talking about this whole empowerment, um, do you, do you do different levels of training or is it, is there, um, is there one course? I'm, I'm going to show your website in a second. Is there one course that you recommend for this? Well, yeah, good point. I, I try and meet people where they're at and take them up a level and, and we're all, we're all on a spiritual path, whether we realize it or not, but we're all at a different place on that path. And so, um, you know, how many times have you read a book and you thought to yourself, wow, I should go back and read that again. And you could do like, how'd you miss this the first time? Like yeah. I read the book, The Road Less Traveled. I'm thinking like, how did I miss this? And that's because I wasn't, I had no basis of reference point too. Exactly. So I try and meet people where they're at and let them decide how to take the information the, the wisdom, the, the pearls of, of uh, wisdom that we, we share and, and adapt that to their own uh, personal experience. And so um, I don't want to say it's a one size fits all class because it's not like that. I mean, there has to be an active um, engagement at some level to say I'm ready for this. But I do have a class online. It's um, I made up this master class. These are really big during the, um, the pandemic. And I thought I'd give it a shot. So um, you asked me to hold up a book. So I have a yeah. book. Uh, called Stand Like Mountain, Fly Like Water, bestseller for, for 20 years. It just went out of print last month. I can't believe it, Kathy. <laughs> oh, really? Well, they can still get the Kindle. They can, yeah. Actually, I think it's been out for close to 30 years. Anyway, wow. so I made a, a course based on that book. It's a 10-part series with some some wisdom, uh, some guided mental imagery exercises, and some wonderful journaling exercises. There's a nice PDF that goes to the class. And they can find that class on my website. It's called Stand Like Mountain, Full Like Water. Okay, so here is your website. So we'll all scroll down. If you scroll down, you see the book and it says learn more. If you were to click that, okay. you'll get to uh, more information. And my website is my name, brianlukeseward.net. No.com. Uh, I think I have both. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think I bought them both. Okay, sorry. Well, the one, it's not, the button's not working like the second time. Huh. Come on, learn more. Okay, so maybe it's here. Should I look under, oh, here, it, it just took a long time to load. Yeah, look at that photo. Isn't oh, my beautiful? God. So I did a real nice series of um, uh, slideshows with uh, with each uh, chapter and added a few more, some new content as well. And then I also have written some articles for this wonderful journal called WIN, which stands for What is Needed Now. And um, and so, uh, yeah, so this is it's a really good deal for 200 bucks. Let me tell you, you get a steal and you can you can go to it whenever you like. So here's the outline. Dress with a human face, spirits on a human path, the dance of ego and soul, from anger to forgiveness, muscle of muscles of the soul, seasons of the soul, embrace the mystery, health of the human spirit, good vibrations, doo, doo, <laughs> um, a spiritual renaissance, and bonus material. Oh, wow, look at these pictures, my gosh. Yeah, it's it's a great package. I really think it is. And if you if you have any interest of doing some more 
um, work, as they call it, on the, on the spiritual uh, uh, path, if you will, then this is a great class to help you uh, meet you where you are and take you up to the next level. Right, right. This is a, 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 actually a tool that could be in everyone's toolkit. I mean, it's the, the, the change, the amount of change that we're going through right now, it's um, just getting, let's see, Lukester, it says, <laughs> okay, so he says, here we go, Lukester for Featherstone Castle, <laughs> traveled the world to take those pictures. He created a DVD with Michael York. Yep. And we said that before. Thanks. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Zach. He's your agent. Yeah, um, really. Not, but uh, <laughs> anyway, no, um, what we want people to know is that um, th this is a fantastic resource. I really recommend the Earth Songs DVD also. I don't know if it's still available or if they can get to, oh, I mean, I'll tell you, um, Earth Songs, the DVD, um, there's two meditations on it. One is a, a speaking meditation that Michael, the actor Michael York um, spoke the words in it. And then the on the same DVD is a silent one. And a lot of times I used to sit, I haven't done it in a while, but I might do it again. Um, I used to sit at dinner on my TV table and eat my dinner and watch it and just let that whole thing um, uh, fill your system, fill your field with this loving kindness that really the this whole environment invites you to experience that, not the pain and stress and trauma. It invites you to be part of the ecosystem and have a loving, happy life, right? It sure does, yeah. And it's um it's a lot of fun. There's some great music with the uh the uh, the oh yeah version too and and um yeah and i um you know i'll see if i can send you a couple of links i've done a couple a sequel to earth songs earth songs too uh -huh. but it's mostly like five minute uh, clips i have like over 40 different five minute clips of um of nature uh, whether it's waterfalls or uh, we did some in africa um i did one in costa rica the hummingbirds and stuff and kathy i gotta tell you this i was thinking this morning of, of uh, meditating on the, the concept of happiness and the toucan, the bird, the toucan is a symbol for me of happiness. But when I went to Costa Rica, I actually got this little hummingbird feeder I put in my hand. And I had at one point like five or six hummingbirds coming to my hand, perching on my fingers. And one flew in my ear and licked my ear. I got a kiss from a hummingbird. How cool is that? <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, um, I used to, when I grew up in Ohio, we had a hummingbird feeder. And I didn't realize that they lived 25 years and fly all the way to South America and then fly all the way back. And um, we're lucky there's hummingbirds here in this area too, in Colorado. Yeah, so, we have, we have uh, I think four different species. We've got the, um, the uh, broad tail, the um, black chin, the calliope and the rufus when they come back from, from um, Alaska. Whereas if you're wet, if you're east of the Mississippi, pretty much all you have is the ruby throated. So we're, oh. we're pretty lucky here in Colorado. Oh, I didn't know that. See, see, I learned something new today. Well, I knew I would. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Luke, I want to make sure that people know how to find you. And, uh, and, and I hope, I really hope that this, uh, that everyone will take advantage of knowing now about Brian Luke Seward's work because you will find this is a gem. This is a gift that you give yourself. 
Well, thanks. Thanks. Um, yeah. Two things I want to mention. I forgot to do this. Um, so during the pandemic, I went in the studio and did some uh, recordings for guided mental imagery. And then I, I worked with my, my record producer to, uh, uh, to get these available on um, iTunes and um, uh, oh. audible.com. And so the, the new CD, although I think it's not really a tangible product, but you can actually, you know, download um, the podcast of these things is called above the fray. Okay. If you were to Google above the fray, um, and then um, on iTunes or I think even on Barnes Noble has it too. There's oh. I think it's like nine or, or ten different tracks. Um, one of them is I take you take you to a rainforest with the hummingbirds coming to your hand. Uh, one of them you go to a stone circle in Ireland. Uh, one of them is mind body spirit healing. One of them is a shamanic healing. There's all kinds of wonderful things there. But or I should say and um, last uh, month or maybe two months ago. I uh, was listening to NPR and I love Terry Gross's Fresh Air. And she had a little segment on there about the power of white noise. The big thing right now is white noise. And I thought to myself, God, I have all these recordings of natural sounds. Maybe I could do a white noise uh, recording too. Okay. And, and um, I'm not sure if you've heard this woman. I bet you have. Her name is Mary, Mary Helen Hensley. She's a healer out in Ireland. Yeah. Well, she came out with a book and she um, did an audio version and she got this guy named Greg Papagna to do the music underneath her voice. So when you listen to her book on audible.com, you get a healing vibration through your ears. So I contacted him and I said, Greg, you know, you don't know me, but I, I'm a stress management uh, therapist. I do health psychology. I'd like to do a white noise um, nature sounds with your music. Would you like to collaborate? And he goes, yeah, he goes, let's do it. And so so it's called Naturescapes. I think it comes out next month uh, on audible.com, iTunes, Barnes & Noble. And there's five different tracks. And each one's like an hour and a half long. But we have uh, crickets. We have summer crickets. We have um, ocean waves from Kauai. We have um, a waterfall in um, Costa Rica. And then my favorite is the African frogs from <laughs> Botswana. They sound like wind chimes. Oh my God. It's so cool. Man, I think I have, um, what else do I have? I think I have uh, a thunderstorm too or something like that, but they're, they're beautiful white noise, nature recordings with a real nice, um, bed of music, very soft, ambient music underneath it that, that Greg Papagna has won Grammy awards. So I'm working with a Grammy artist here. How cool. That's is that? so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> well, you, you got the inspiration, you got the download, you got the memo and you acted on it. That's, did, yeah. and that's, that's actually your, I would say that's one of your biggest strengths is that you get these incredible insights of how you can serve and how you can help people and you do it. And the, and the work is beautiful. If you guys seriously, this is a gem that you didn't know about, but hopefully <laughs> you will do something with. So, Luke, um, I want to make sure everyone knows to go to your website, right? It's brianlukeseward.com or .net, apparently. And um, <laughs> my, my, my uh, spelling of my name is like what you see there. So it's a S E A W A R D. Yes. Uh, BrianLukeSeward.net.com. Apparently yeah. I learned something new too. Oh, good. Yeah. And I'll make sure that it's on um, it, on all the comments and everything so that make sure that people have it in text too. So that something they can just click on. So well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And it's been too long. Time for lunch again. 
we got to get together, Kath. Well, thank yeah. you so much for bringing me on. And um, to everyone listening, I want to say thanks for all you're doing to make the world a better place. Stay grounded. We're in some challenging times, but um, as they say, that which doesn't kill us makes us stronger. <laughs> we're polishing the rough edges. So know that we're going to become beautiful gemstones through all of this. And it's all worth it here on planet Earth, planet school. And, yes. and we'll do a great job. Yeah, we're going to graduate. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to graduate. Yay. Oh, well, thank you, dear. Thank you. Right, thanks, Cassia. Bye. Bye bye.